Lord, please be seated. Uh, for just a couple minutes now, I want to talk about what things may look like next year and help you anticipate. There's some coloring uh, binders for the kids there on the table, uh, as well as the play area in the back. Um, but as many of you just rehearsed, and I did uh, send a couple, couple invitations to a few people to invite them to share, so they had notes. That's why they had notes, if you were wondering. Well, how did they have notes? It's fast a moment. <laughs> Anyways, as many of you just rehearsed, the Lord has been so gracious, so kind to us this last year. Uh, He's been at work in us and through us, and it has been just a delight to share in that journey together with you. Uh, It has been my my joy and honor to get to do that. But just as uh, there's so many newborn infants even in the room that will not be infants a year from now, They will be walking and talking a year from now. And just as that reality of an infant to a toddler happens, so much change happens in a year, I anticipate this next year a lot will change in our midst as well. So I just want to take a few minutes to help us prepare for what I expect that this next year in our church to look like. Um, I anticipate uh, a celebration of new fruit in 2024, fruit that we haven't seen yet from the work we've been doing and been praying for. Uh, We're a church in Oregon City for Oregon City. I appreciate what Matt said about even, he just, he centered this in in Oregon City. Uh, When we started this work in April of 2022, uh, it was clear that we did not need to simply relocate some people from a church in West Lynn to a church in Oregon City. That is not what we're doing here. And it was pretty clear that we didn't need to just add another church into Oregon City to compete with the other churches for the church members who are disgruntled with their church and hope that the the great shakedown leads to growth uh, here at New Life Oregon City. That's not why we're here. We're a church that is actively engaged in the mission of God in Oregon City and expect that lives will be changed because He is at work and because people come to meet Jesus. Now, there's something really good in that desire, right? And there's also something that is impossible. So let me refresh our understanding of what we are doing here. Because we cannot produce the fruit that we want to see. Now, the language of a church plant, admittedly, it borrows agricultural language. A plant, right, you put the seed in the ground, you cover it with dirt, and the, and the deed is done. It has been planted. And normally, uh, it, well, in our context, to ask the question, has this church been planted, okay, is to ask not quite the right question. Because unlike a seed that goes into the ground and gets covered, the church is a living, breathing organism full of life. And so the work of the church then is only completed when Jesus returns. And so the work that we are in the midst of in the meantime is more akin to a forming or a shaping uh, as we grow into the image of Christ rather than uh, the planting. Something you do more like with a child than with a seed. So my question, the right question that we should be asking is how will we know if we are being formed into the church God has made us to be. It isn't a question of polity. Do we have enough elders? Do we have enough giving? It isn't a question of leadership structure or starting Sunday worship gatherings or not, or do we meet in a ballet studio or a church building? It's not a question about any of those things. It's a question rather of, is the church doing what the church is supposed to be doing all along? 
The church, I'll remind you, is the people who belong to God, who have been saved by Jesus, in fellowship with God and one another, participating with God in His mission in the world. And this looks like, um, in, in, at least in our context here, there are life groups, small groups of those people that meet together regularly. Check. There are, uh, they gather regularly to worship on Sunday morning in response to the word. Check. They share the Lord's Supper. Check. They engage with those outside the people of God. Check. And they baptize them as they enter the people of God. And there is a not yet. So it's official, ready or not, whether you like it or not, that we are a church doing the things that the church should be doing. And what is happening is that we're not awaiting a public launch, so to speak, because who cares if the launch is public? We're awaiting the fruit that will come from this work. We're awaiting the result of the day-in, day-out commitment to the things that matter. And so what we're anticipating, what I'm anticipating, rather than a public launch per se, is a celebration, a party, when we start to see the fruit that God has been doing in our midst, when he provides through the faithfulness of his people. Because in forming a church, rather than planting a church, I think we're doing all the right things. I've seen it, and I've seen your... Each of you rise to the challenge in in new ways. And so the things that we have been doing all along now, guess what? Are going to be the same things that we continue to do in the future. Uh, The the trappings, the furnishings, the the room, the context, the chairs, the, the people, the faces might change. But these things will remain. This core DNA is being formed And it's rooted in uh, just a few first-order things. And when I use the word first-order, I mean it is not the fruit itself. It is the thing that precedes the fruit, that produces the fruit. It's something, it's it's the engine at the front of the train. It is not the train itself. And so the next step in our formation, then, as we lean into this church plant or church formation, is to lean into these same first-order things, looking to God expectantly to provide the fruit that comes from faithfully following him. And when that fruit comes, our, particularly our first baptism celebration next year, we'll party like we haven't partied. And we've partied pretty well. And so I'm really excited for that day to see him uh, work in someone's life through us. Now, what does that mean for us then in 2024? It means that we will persist, okay, without wavering, without growing weary. And the first order things that have defined our last year will also define our next year expecting that they will not be in vain. And Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6, outlines those things for us. So if you have a Bible on your phone or you brought a Bible to church, which is a good idea, you can turn there to Colossians chapter 4. But before we read that, you must realize that Colossians chapter 4 comes after Colossians chapter 1. It comes after Colossians chapter 2. It comes after Colossians chapter 3. And so make a few stops on your way. If it's a scroll, then, then stop the scroll. On Colossians 1.12, which says, The Father has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Already. He's already done it. You are qualified to share with the saints. Not because you have performed to such a high degree, but because the Father has qualified you. Already true. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. Already. That's already happened. Stop at Colossians 1.21. 
You who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Already, that's already happened. You're already at peace with him. Stop at Colossians 2.12. You who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. Already, you've already been made alive. And when chapter 3 begins, it opens with these words, If then you have been raised with Christ. You already have been raised with Christ. You have already been raised with Christ. You already have new life. In other words, if and only if this gospel, this news is true of you, can you then look at Colossians 4, chapter, two, or chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. Only when this good news transforms you, makes you alive, then can you be even expected to live a life that looks alive. And that is what Colossians chapter 4 shows us. But I want to, I want to mention that because when you think of your own uh, goals or vision for the next year, you're probably thinking about your uh, performance or your productivity. Um, but the thing that precedes your performance is the performance of Christ on your behalf. The thing that pre- uh, precedes your productivity is what... God is producing in you. And we could do, I'll just say, all of the right things in 2024 and just be exhausted. Because we arm wrestle ourselves to do all the right things. Or we could do those very same things in 2024 and find ourselves coming alive. Because we, have, we are doing them in the in the living work of God in us. The grace of God is already at work in us, causing us to come alive. So, that's the the prologue. The gospel is not a postlude, it is the prelude. It is the thing that now forms and shapes what life in this community looks like. So, Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6, really shows us that the gospel forms us into people of prayer, word, in mission, who live life together. Colossians 4, verse 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. It outlines for us the four things, the four first order things that are central to our DNA, our identity in 2024. And I could share the same charge 20 years from now, or 40 years from now, or 100 years from now at our centennial celebration, which all of us will be at, I'm sure. Um, The first thing, then, is that we will pray. New Life Church, Oregon City, is a people who pray. To belong to New Life Church means to be committed to prayer and to continue steadfastly in it, even when you feel like your your prayers are hitting the ceiling, to continue steadfastly. We cannot produce the fruit that we want to see in our city or in our world, but God can. We cannot produce the fruit that we want to see in our own lives or in our families, but God can. And so we would be smart then to double down, not on our effort, but on our prayer. 
So to help us do that this next year, uh, we're going to kick off 2024 with a, uh, a church-wide, so West Lynn, Gladstone, Wilsonville, Nueva Vida, and us will all participate together to pray for a thousand hours. And so um, this means that, that we'll sign up to pray. It will make our calendar. We will keep a divine appointment. And by keeping that appointment, we'll express our dependence on God and put it into practice. And we're calling that, uh, those thousand hours, the C42, C42 endeavor. Why C42? I just read for you Colossians 4.2, which says, continue steadfastly in prayer. So that is our commitment this next year, as much as it's ever been, and we're going to jumpstart that in January. Uh, you can find out more information, and I'll share some more information about that uh, at the end this morning. The second thing then, so we'll pray, we'll be word-saturated people. One of the things that, that the Apostle Paul in, is commanding them to pray for is that God would open a door for the word, that the word that is in him might make it out of him, that the word that is in us might make it out of us. But if it's going to make it out of us, it must first be in us. Thus the word must be central in our gatherings, our life groups, in our own personal lives. And so this year, in 2024, I want to invite you uh, to read personally through the entire New Testament in 2024. Uh, we'll have a plan that we'll follow, and there's links uh, to that that I'll share. Uh, our life groups will be the mechanism for ongoing accountability and discussion. And I believe that together, by doing this, we'll grow in our own faith and understanding of who God is and what he's done and who we are and what we should do. And we will we'll grow in unity as we work through this commitment uh, together. So I, I, I couldn't really pick anything else. Those first two things are so first order that if you want to produce any change, any fruit in your life or in your church or in the world, those will be the things that you will come back to again and again. But before we move on, I want to point out just two more things in verse 3 there. God is the one that opens the door for the word. It's not something we'll muscle into a conversation. It is something that God will bring, which means we will pray that he will open that door. But also notice, it's not our good looks or our feasts or our apple cider or our willingness to help the world that the world needs. It's the word that the world needs. And in verse 4 specifically, that word, which is the mystery of Christ made clear. So before we move on to what comes next, we must be first a word-saturated people. The third defining factor for our church is we will walk with outsiders. In verse 5, uh, it says that we are to walk in wisdom toward outsiders. But we cannot walk in wisdom if we are not walking. We cannot put a qualifier on something that you're not doing. And so uh, we are going to commit to, when we use the word engage, to describe what it looks like to walk with outsiders. Because we're not a people who disengage and say, Jesus is going to save people out of thin air, or uh, it's going to be someone else's job. No, what we have committed to as a church, a church plant, is the work of engaging in our world. And that really will require a plan. You see, uh, all of these things will require a plan. Any change you want to see in 2024 is going to require a plan. Um, the C24 or C42 endeavor will, will help you make and keep a plan to pray in the month of January. The, the read through the New Testament in a year plan will help you make and keep a plan to read through the scripture and become a word-saturated person. So what's your plan then for walking with outsiders? 
Sometimes it happens on accident. Sometimes your own DNA is so wired that you just find yourself in those places with those people all the time. And so consider then what your plan is. Um, I, I have a plan for this next year that is really broken down into something that's daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, and annually. So we, daily, I'll pray for my neighbors. I can do that every day whether or not they show up. Uh, weekly, I would invite someone to the gathering, just a tech, quick text message. Monthly, host a family outside the church for dinner. Uh, quarterly, host some kind of social gathering where uh, we all interact with uh, neighbors or friends. And then annually, uh, commit to a citywide event for the sake of meeting new faces, new people. So that's how I've thought about it. Uh, you can think about it any other way, but think about the plan, consider it, write it down, and tell somebody about it. Uh, even at Life Group this week. The fourth thing then that kind of marks this life that has been made alive is that we live life together. Now, verse 6, uh, clearly in the context, the speech is to be gracious as we walk in wisdom toward outsiders. But if you're thinking about outsiders and first impressions, like how hard is it to be gracious in your speech in your first impression? Your job interview is where your graciousness shines. It's the people that you're on the job with day in and day out who need your grace. Um, the people it is hardest to speak graciously to with the life-giving seasoning of salt are your spouse and your children and your dun -dun -dun, life groups, the small posse of people you've committed to life together with. So just as life groups were the first mile marker, really, in our journey, they were the first benchmark in the formation of New Life Oregon City, we'll per persist in our commitment uh, to live life together, however inconvenient it might be, trusting that it will produce fruit in our lives even if we don't see it for years to come. So if you're not in a life group, start 2024 in a life group. And if you are in a life group, start it with a renewed commitment uh, to your community. So from Colossians 4, really, these are four first-order things that define what it means to be a church. This is the work the church does. We, we are a church doing this work. And these things, these first-order things, are life-producing, change-catalyzing things. They're not religion. They didn't, they didn't, we don't do them so that God is happy with us. And I, I took you on a journey through Colossians to show you God is already happy with you. Therefore, this is what it looks like to live as someone made alive and in relationship with Him. These four things are not the fruit themselves. They are a fruit. They are a good thing. We want to see these things at work in us. But it is through these things that God brings fruit then for his people. And this year, as we lean into these four first order things, I trust that God will bring fruit uh, from our work in this city. And we will celebrate that appropriately in due time. Perhaps uh, this next year, God will be gracious enough to save someone to himself through our work. Perhaps over this next year, God would be gracious enough to bring people who are disconnected from him into our uh, community, that our four life groups would become eight life groups this time next year. Perhaps in 2024, we would flourish as individuals, as a collective, in ways that we couldn't imagine possible because we commit ourselves to Jesus' way, and perhaps he would bless that. Now you see, all that he's made, all the stories that were shared earlier, it's all grace. It's all been a gift. 
And anything that we expect then that will happen in the future will also be a gift. And so uh, what I want to do now is just spend a few moments praying together. Uh, We're going to spend uh, uh, the next four or five minutes in prayer with several of you lead out, expressing our dependence on God to bring the fruit in our lives and in our church and in our city uh, that we desperately want to see. And as they pray aloud and we listen, uh, we can tune into their prayer, agree with it in our head, agree with it in our heart, and uh, pray and talk to God silently as well. And then in just a few moments, uh, Christian will get up and lead us as we sing our prayers then in response and and close our time this morning. So would you, a few of you, lead out and uh, would we pray together now?